0: how's everybody doing today? Glad you guys are here. Last Sunday night, we had such a memorable uh, time together. The food was delicious. The worship was so God-honoring and inspiring. The message was meaningful and very appropriate for the occasion, and the time of commitment was really moving. I received word that we had 70 families or individuals commit Uh, which was about 100% participation, pretty close to it. About half of the commitments were from 5,000 to 25,000, and about half of the commitments were from 4,999 and down. And what that means is it literally took every person, every family in this church to meet the goals of the campaign. Everybody joined together. And I want to tell you one uh, inspiring story Uh, from uh, Sunday morning last week, I had a lady at Middletown who is known as a giver, but she doesn't have much. She's a widow. And she handed me a check and said, I would like to give to the church there in Mason because they've given so much here in Middletown, $200. And then she said, could I give every week to help with this campaign? I was humbled. And I thought of that story in the Bible of the widow who came to the temple and gave two mites, which was the smallest of Roman coins. And Jesus said she gave more than everyone because she gave out of her poverty. She gave all she had. And in this campaign, we said not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. And I think that's what we experienced last week. So thank you to everybody who gave. And now it's time to look forward to closing on this building, doing the renovations and then moving strongly into the future uh, together. And now we enter the Christmas season, believe it or not. How many of you are ready for that? Uh, I'm not because uh, I'm in the wedding season. Uh, next week, our daughter Hannah is getting married on a Monday. You say, why do it on a Monday? Because the venue is cheaper on a Monday. Amen. And uh, that's why. But uh, she's a wonderful young lady and she's marrying a wonderful young man. And I'm not saying that just because they were in first hour this morning. I actually believe that. And so we're looking forward to welcoming Jake into our family. But after that, we'll be getting ready for Christmas. How many of you have already put your tree up? Raise your hand if you've done that. How many of you have you've delayed on that? You don't want to put it up yet. You haven't yet. All right. About half and half. And uh, But now we're almost into December. And so you can uh, feel good about doing that. All right. And we're going to get ready for uh, Christmas. After last week's commitment on Sunday night, big commitment. I was standing over there talking to some people and one of our guys came up to me and we were both celebrating what had happened with the uh, campaign and and the commitment. And he was adjusting his thinking about Christmas time this year. And he kind of smiled and said, well, kids, Christmas is going to look a little bit different this year. And I thought that was a good way to approach it a little, uh, funny way to kind of deal with the fact that they had just made this significant campaign, commitment. And I guess he's not wrong, because uh, maybe it's not a bad thing. You know, the, the reality of Christmas is not, it's about the, it's not about the gifts, it's about the gift, right? It's about Jesus. The Holocaust survivor Corey Timboom Boom one time said, you may never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And as we prepare our hearts for Christmas, we're going to think about that. We're getting ready for a four-week campaign, or a series that's called The Gift, and over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at the gifts that the wise men gave to Jesus. And we're going to look deeply into what each of those gifts mean, and the story is found in Matthew chapter 2, and I have always been fascinated with the wise men. I mean, when it came to the children's plays, which would you rather be, a stinky shepherd or a nice wise man? Would you rather wear a bathrobe and a towel around your head, or would you rather wear the crowns and the flashy robe? I don't know about you, but it's something always interesting about the wise men. The story of Jesus being born in Bethlehem was during the time of the reign of King Herod, and some magi from the east traveled a great distance to celebrate the Christ King. Every year in the last few years at uh, Jonathan's house, they've had a nativity scene they've invited friends over and he'll hand out the characters of the nativity and he'll give them to different people and he always gives the magi to a couple of our friends who are from Iran from Persia and he will give them to them for a very specific reason and when he gets to that time in the story he'll explain that the wise men came from that area of the world and and he emphasizes the power of that moment as it wasn't just the Israelites who realized that there was a Christ king, but there were others who realized that as well. Hormoz Shara'it is a scholar in Iran and he writes, the word magi is a Persian word. The magi were not kings but were dignitaries and advisors to the court of the Persian kings. They were high priests of the Zoroastrian religion. The Persian kings respected them, valued them, and sought their advice in their decisions. The earliest depictions that we have of the Magi can be found in the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. That church was built in A.D. 329 by Empress Helena, Constantine's mother. And there's a mosaic on the floor that depicts the Magi in Persian clothing. But we also know that the Magi were familiar with the prophecies of the Old Testament. They weren't just following a star out of curiosity or because they were astrologers. They were following the star because they understood the meaning. How did they know the meaning? The answer is easy. Daniel. Daniel was respected in Persia as a prophet from God. His book, written in Iran, was available and revered by Persians. Not many people that know that for centuries, many who lived in Iran were true believers in the God of the Bible. That was not just because of Daniel, but because of Nehemiah, Habakkuk, and Esther. And at the end of the book of Esther, we read that many Persians came to know the God of Israel. And so it makes sense that these individuals who were well acquainted with this story, were looking to the sky, looking to the heavens to see the star so that they would be led to the Christ child. And when they found him, they opened their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, gifts that were meaningful, not just because they were meaningful in and of themselves, because they, but they, because they told us something about the child himself. Gold, valuable in and of itself, represented the kingship of Jesus. Myrrh represented Jesus as the suffering servant, as the Lamb of God. Frankincense represented Jesus as the priest who relates to us and who represents us before God. And so over the next weeks leading up to Christmas, we're going to focus on these gifts. And we're going to talk about what it meant for Christ to be our King, our God, our Savior, and our High Priest. And and I, I love these individuals, these individuals who came and celebrated Christ. And today, as a way to kind of set up the story, I want to tell you what I admire about these magi. And one of the things I admire about them is that they sought the truth. If you want to find God today, you got to seek the truth. You have to go after it. You have to become a seeker. You have to take it seriously. There's a big difference between speculators and seekers. Speculators, there are a lot more of those in the world And they think, well, maybe God's like this, or maybe like that, or I imagine this, or maybe they conjecture things, or your guess is as good as mine. They're skeptics by nature. But seekers are those who diligently search for the truth. They look for answers, they don't just make assumptions, they dive deeply. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It tells us about the Magi, and it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came from Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Notice. In those verses, you can see some things that seekers do. They notice what's happening in the world. They're aware of actual events. What's going on today? What's real? What's happening? They were aware. They were observant. They saw the star in the sky. They were alert. Secondly, genuine seekers ask questions What does this mean? Where does it lead? What does the sign mean? Where do we go? Seekers ask good questions. And seekers do whatever it takes to find the answer. If you're a genuine seeker, I encourage you to do that. Look deeply. Today, I see a lot of people who fall into the idea that maybe truth is found in some soundbite or some post on social media. Rather than diving deeply into the truth of something, they just see what's on the surface and they immediately buy into that. We have to be people who are smarter than that. We have to be willing to search the truth, look for the truth, ask the right questions, find where the truth is. And that's what these magi did. One of the things I think is so ironic about this story is here these magi came from a distance that perhaps took them as much as six months to travel. And yet they went all of that way to find the truth. And yet here we have some of, the, some of what would have been the greatest scholars of Jesus' day, sort of the epicenter of religious understanding of his day in Jerusalem, only six miles from Bethlehem. And they completely and totally missed the truth of the coming of Christ. The Magi didn't miss it, but those who were close did. This season, let's not miss the truth of the reality of Christ. If you want to know the truth, you can't be too busy to search for the answers. To me, that's a real tragedy. The most tragic thing in life is to go through all of life never figuring out, why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I going? We have to seek the truth. I told you before that one of the most uh, revealing moments in my life was when I was in college and really asking big questions of faith. And um, it was a bit of a moment of maybe testing God. And I yelled out to God on the steps of a chapel there on campus, God, if you're real, why don't you come sit next to me right now? I sort of challenged God. Well, I think he was busy like running the universe or something, but I, he didn't show up next to me on the step, but I went back to my dorm room, and I just laid in my bed for a little while, and I just thought, and I looked at my hand and my skin on my hand and the nails, I thought about my eye, the human eye, and I thought, there's no way this could just happen. It didn't make any sense to my mind that somehow we would just be amoeba that would grow, and somehow over millions and billions of years, we would be the humans that we are. To me, it didn't make any sense logically. There had to be something that designed all of this, and that led me into a deeper search for the truth. I found a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell, and more than a carpenter. And I began to study and really research, why do I believe what I believe? I became a seeker in that moment, looking for deeper answers. And I just want to encourage you to be that kind of person. Even if you're a believer in Christ, be a person that never is satisfied. Keep diving deeper into the truth. the, The Bible, the Word of God is so deep that Even the greatest scholar will spend their whole life studying its message, and there will still be truth to be found. So friends, when you feel unfulfilled, when you feel questions like, do I matter? And maybe you have a little bit of an unsatisfied feeling in your heart. Realize that God created that in you so that you could continue to find fulfillment in him. And here's the good news. Not just are you seeking God, but God is seeking you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And that is a great promise. That is good news. He wants you to meet him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to find him. And he is on the search for you as well. And I admire that about these magi. The second thing I admire is they were willing to express and experience true joy. Matthew chapter two, verse nine says, when they had heard the king, they went on their way and, they, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. I love that. Imagine these guys. Here they are traveling for such a long, long distance, a journey that could have taken up to maybe six months. And then suddenly the star that had been leading you stops and you realize you're at the end of your journey. Guys, it is better than traveling from Ohio to Florida in January and you get to the border and you go, guys, we're almost to the beach. I mean, there's high fives, there's celebration. Imagine going for month after month after month and you're traveling and then suddenly the star stops. They hadn't even seen the Christ child yet and it says they were overjoyed. The word in the Greek indicates that they were They were jumping for joy. They were celebrating with one another. They were high fiving each other, maybe even chest bumping, if that's what Magi did back then. I don't know. But they were celebrating with one another. And you know why they were celebrating? Because a star guided them to the place where Christ could be found. And can I tell you something? God, I believe, continues to give us stars today. He's not going to leave you hanging. He's going to give you a guide in your life, maybe many guides in your life. If you're seeking the truth honestly and sincerely, God wants the relationship with you so much, He's going to give you clues, a trail marking, a travel guide so that you can find Him. He always does that. In the wise man's case, it was a star. This is no ordinary star. This star traveled east, and then it, once it got to Jerusalem, it headed south and went to Bethlehem. I've never heard of a star that did that before. We never have any indication in the Bible that anybody else even saw this star, but it was something special for the wise men to lead them. And chances are, you have some stars in your life, you just may have never recognized it. God put them there. Maybe it was a book that you read, or a person that you know, or an experience that you had. It may be some event, it may be church. I bet that God has put something in your life To lead you and guide you, a neighbor, a friend, or somebody at work, or even a child who's been that star in your life to guide you to the truth. And when you do, and you have that star, you can react a lot of different ways. One way is you can react like Herod did. When he heard the truth, he reacted in fear, and he became vengeful. Maybe you could react in fear. Maybe there's another reaction like the religious leaders. They reacted with apathy and indifference. They never even left the temple, apparently. They just stayed right there and totally missed the event. They can be skeptical. Maybe you're that way. Or you can experience and do what the wise men did. They celebrated. They rejoiced. They experienced great joy of being led by God. Even before they saw the Christ child, they were overjoyed by the fact that they were being led and guided by this star. And I just want to challenge you guys this Christmas time To thank God for the stars in your life, the travel guides, the clues. They may be people or they may be events, but take time this season to say, God, thank you so much for leading me, guiding me, putting the right people in my path so that we might come to this place this time. And God's going to use events in your life. He's going to use people to guide you. Sometimes they're even difficult things. Some of you, you've you've had a tough year. You've had marriage challenges, or you went through a divorce. You've had challenges with your children, maybe with your health. Maybe you've had financial difficulties, or maybe goals or dreams that you wanted that didn't happen, or maybe you've been stressed by something. Could you consider for a moment that maybe those difficulties in your life are the very thing that are leading you to a deeper truth in your life? Maybe those are things that are leading you not to depend on your own effort, but are allowing you to depend on God. In Luke chapter 2, it says the angels that day on the hillside said, do not be afraid for I bring you good news of great joy for there will be for all the people today in the town of David. A savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. It is good news and it is worth filling joy about. I love the fact that they sought the truth. They celebrated and recognized that star that led them and guided them and they allowed them selves to be overjoyed by it. And then finally, they recognized the gift. They recognized Jesus for who he was. They realized that he was the Christ child. How do we know that they recognized him? Because the Bible tells us that they fell down and they worshiped him. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 says, when the Magi, the wise men, went into the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They opened their treasure chest, and they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We know that they recognized Christ because they were filled with awe. The Bible says they fell on their knees and they said, this is an unbelievable way that God has come to the earth. He put himself into a tiny body. He's going to grow up in the world just like us. He's going to experience hardship just like us. He's going to do this so that we can relate to him. Show us how much he loves us. These wise men worshiped him and they opened gifts to him. Gold. Gold is a gift fit for a king. It represents royalty. In those days, you always offered gold to the king. Gold had limitless worth. It was the most precious metal. It was saying, this king is a true king. And we're going to be talking about that during this series. They gave him frankincense. Frankincense is a very rare and very expensive incense It it was made from the bark of a tree in Arabia. And frankincense was used to burn in the temple to worship God. And when they brought frankincense to the baby, they were saying, this is God. He is worthy of our worship. And then they brought him myrrh. That's an odd gift to give a baby. Myrrh was a death spice. It was a spice used in the ancient world to embalm a dead body. Why in the world would you give a child myrrh? The Magi realized that this baby came for one singular purpose, to save the world, to die. And so during this series, we're going to be talking about how, what this frankincense and this myrrh and this gold represent for us today. And the Magi acknowledged that this baby is no ordinary baby. He is God. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is King. A lot of babies were born 2,023 years ago, but only one baby split time between A.D. and B.C. One baby was different than all the rest. This was no mere baby. He was God in the flesh, God come in human form so that we could get to know him. Yeah, you can get to know God through creation. The Bible says that we see God in creation. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, we see his invisible qualities, so that man's without excuse, because you can see some characteristics of God in the very creation that he made. But that's not enough. God came in the form of man so that we would know his his eternal qualities, his internal qualities. We would know that he loves, that he cares, that he comes in human form so that we would not be afraid, but he would know that we could relate to him. In Colossians chapter 1 it tells us that Christ is the exact likeness of the unseen God. He existed before God made anything at all. And in fact, Christ himself is the creator who made everything in heaven and on earth. The things we can see and the things we can't. The spirit world with its kings and kingdoms. The rulers and authorities. All were made by Christ for his own use and glory. This baby made you. And that is the amazing reality of Christmas. That God would so humble himself that he would become one of us and live among us so that he could represent us. It's the greatest gift ever given. Now, when you get a gift, there's a few things you could do with it. One thing you can do is you can reject the gift. And many of you will do that this year because you will go to the return lines and you will say, it didn't fit. And you'll do it kind of quietly and discreetly so that the gift giver might not know. But you'll be like, I want to take that back because I don't really want that. And some of you guys will be like that and you'll do that and that's fine. But some of you, uh, when it comes to a gift... You have to recognize the gift. You have to understand what purpose it serves. Have you ever been given a gift and you have absolutely no idea what it was, what it meant, what it did, how it functions? And you say, I don't know what to do with this gift. It's important that we recognize the gift. We know what its purpose and intention was, especially when it comes to Christ. And then you receive the gift. You receive it, and you receive it graciously. You say, thank you. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you did that. Here's a little Hannah story in honor of her upcoming wedding uh, when she was uh, four years old, we were shopping, and Hannah wanted to bring in something. You know how many of you have kids that want to bring a toy into the store with them? I'm like, why? Don't bring it. Let's just leave it. She's like, no, I want to bring it in. It was a picture of a horse that she had done, and she said, I want. I said, what do you want to do with it? I want to give it to a girl. Okay, the first woman that she saw, not a girl, though a woman. She said, there's a girl. I said, all right, go ahead. And uh, she went up to the woman and gave it to her. And the woman said, oh, that is such a pretty horse. Did you color that horse? And I said, she wants to give it to you. She said, oh, thank you. That is such a beautiful picture. Thank you so much for that. And, And we saw the woman later. She was carrying around that horse. She responded just the way she should have. She received it with joy. What would have happened to a little girl's heart though, if that woman had taken that picture and then just tossed it on the ground before she walked into the store or put it in the trash can or said, how silly, I don't want that. Well, that's what a lot of people do with Christ, the greatest gift ever. They reject it. I don't want it. Thanks for nothing. Uh, I, I don't appreciate it. I don't understand it. I don't want it. They don't respond with gratitude they respond oftentimes with skepticism or a rejection of the truth. This last uh, week, we went to my mom's house. We usually go to my uncle's house for Thanksgiving, but they're scaling back a bit. That was fun for us because as kids, we used to go hunting as, uh, on Thanksgiving. That was kind of our tradition. We rarely got anything, but it was kind of fun to dress up and walk through the woods With my dad and my uncle and brothers and others and uh, we've kind of let that tradition go by in recent years so i decided this year we're going to start a new tradition we're going to have the first annual sam's turkey bowl we're going to play two-hand touch football it was going very well until uh one of uh one of the uh uh players accidentally two-hand touched hannah's face and i thought that's not going to go well for the wedding but luckily it was all good and she's still all intact we went inside and we had thanksgiving uh lunch together and mom said, now, before we all have lunch, I'd like to go around the table, and let's all give something that we're thankful for. And uh, Nathan was the first one, my nephew, and he said, I'm thankful for my family. And everybody goes, oh, shoot, that's what I was going to say. And everybody's like, doggone it, now what am I going to say? And other people came up with good answers. And, and then we get around to the end, and Jonathan was at the end of the table. He always says something. He didn't have just a few words. He had a little mini speech, and it was always good. It's always insightful. And he said, and I won't do it justice, but it's basically this. If you want to be happy in life, you got to be grateful. you got to be grateful. The most unhappy people in life are the most ungrateful people in life. Uh, those who are ungrateful are entitled. They believe that the world owes them something. They believe that, they've, uh, that they should just be given something. that They haven't earned it, but they deserve it. And so they can be bitter and ungrateful. Those are the most unhappy people in the world. The most happy people in the world are those that are grateful. Those that say, thank you for what I've received. I don't deserve it. I worked, but I don't deserve it. But I'm grateful for it. And that is the secret to happiness, is to be grateful. And I would say to all of you this season, as we enter this season of Christmas, that we should all be grateful for the gift. Don't, don't, don't look at it and say, don't miss it, you know? Don't look at it and say, oh, I, I deserve that, or somehow I've, I've earned that, or... No, none of us deserve the gift of Christ. None of us have earned the gift of salvation. But God, in His wisdom, says to you, I have given you the greatest gift ever. And and we're going to enter this season with that kind of posture, that sort of humility that says, God, we just want to be grateful people. If you truly want a merry or a happy Christmas, it starts with the attitude of your heart, a grateful attitude, humble attitude. And that's how we're going to enter this Christmas season together. God, we give you thanks. We want to receive that gift, God. We want to recognize who Christ is, this baby that changed the world. And God, we we not only that, we want to seek truth. We want to be people who continue to be seekers in our lives and not skeptics. We want to look for the truth. We want to continue to dive deeper into the truth of Scripture. We want to understand more about you. We want to understand more about reality and truth. We don't want to just get stuck on a soundbite or a news clipping and suddenly say, well, that must be true. We, We need to dive deeper into that. Look and see what's behind it. Try to understand it. Try to learn history. And God, not only that, we want to acknowledge and recognize who you are. And we want to notice what you've done for us. And we want to do it with such joy, such thankfulness. We want to have the right posture as we enter this season, God. Posture of just appreciation for who you are, for what you've done. That grateful heart. God, that's the secret to having a merry Christmas. And so we pray for that today for all of us. And pray, God, as we learn this season about the gifts that the wise men gave, that we understand that it teaches us more about the greatest gift, the King, our God, our Lord, our Savior, Christ. And today we worship you and we pray it in Jesus' name.